1: Welcome to the very first edition of the Pro Wrestling Index for the AI Channel. I am Matt Topolsky, and it is an honor to be on the Anfield Index Network. And I'd like to welcome in Mo Shatra, and of course, the architect of AI Gags. Welcome, gentlemen.
0: Thanks for having us, Matt. Looking forward to joining uh, this great show. Nice one. Uh Matt, thanks for inviting me as the first guest and uh, I've never been called an architect before. So, yes. Um, <laughs> well, well, well <laughs> you're, you're you're
1: sort you're sort of like the Seth Rollins of the Anfield Index, you know, oh my you're the God. mastermind. <laughs> that, that that is a compliment. Seth Rollins is a talented talented man. Yes. Yes. Well, gentlemen, um we have a lot to talk about. The first thing that um we really want to kind of get into is talk a little bit about, you know, what made both of you fans of professional wrestling and um and then we'll kind of get into the business a little bit and more more or less a, a general conversation to start things off so that we can warm up all of the listeners to uh this new and um different uh Anfield pod.
3: Okay, well uh, I'll kick off. Um so I'm Mo Chatra and I've been a fan of the wrestling business for some 35 years now so it's a long time. Um I started off at a very young age watching british wrestling on um itv which is a channel here in the uk and uh watched it religiously uh wouldn't go a week without missing it and uh grew up watching the likes of big daddy and giant haystacks which people from outside of the uk may have heard of and also some of the more technical wrestlers such as the likes of johnny saint and um rollerball rocco There were so many great talents uh, around back then and um Obviously, the scene in Britain died down and then it um, has seen a bit of a resurgence as we've seen quite a few wrestlers from the UK um, end up in promotions such as the WWE and TNA in recent years. Um, So that was me starting out as a fan. I then moved into writing about wrestling back in 1997. I started my own newsletter and uh, really uh, had a lot of fun with that. Only two years after that, I joined a magazine here in the UK called Power Slam, which was a well-established magazine, and uh, that was around from 1994 till just last year uh, when it shut up shop. Um, I was with the magazine for some 14 years from 1999 to 2013. I was also um, involved in a channel that aired in the UK for several years called the Wrestling Channel. Um, I did a lot of voiceover work for their Japanese and Mexican wrestling. Well, I even presented a show which probably had about 10 viewers on there, uh, which was a wrap up of, uh, <laughs> British wrestling. Um, yeah, I didn't get many people asking for my autograph nice. um, when I appeared on
0: there. <laughs> yeah, you've been on TV, mate. Nice one.
3: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've done a bit of that and I've even been involved in the wrestling business itself, um, as a referee, manager, commentator, ring announcer. Um, it's been a, number of years since i've done that now so i've wow. done a little bit of everything in that's the wrestling amazing. business bar step into the wrestling ring so that's the only thing i've yet to tick off on my wrestling bucket list but uh yeah i've, I've done a few things
1: wow aware of many hats mo yeah that's mad <laughs> <Yes>. yeah <laughs> well guys what about you what what uh what excites you about professional wrestling what made you want to get on the um the Pro Wrestling Index podcast.
0: I mean, I've been a fan, probably not as long as Mo, but uh, mid '80s for sure. Uh, some there's some resemblance to his story in terms of the Big Daddy Giant Haystack stuff. That that was definitely uh, the first foray into it, and it was quite interesting actually because um, Indians, uh, you know, we we love a bit of wrestling back in back in India, and uh, so my my grandparent and my dad obviously used to watch um, a lot of wrestling back home and there used to be a guy called uh, Dara Singh and he was a a very popular wrestler that went into movies and obviously um, dad had watched him in the UK actually in you know actually fighting some of these guys and you know what it wasn't it wasn't worked back then they would actually go for it and he actually used a spoon bent a spoon over his knuckles and you know, cut people up with them. It it was, it was that violent at times. And it was, uh, so they used to tell me those stories. So we used to watch Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks with loads of interest with, with really my grandma. It was, it was quite interesting. But then as the sky, you know, B-Sky B walked in, I think it was called B-Sky B back then, came in and, and they had American, you know, wrestling. I think American wrestling was really late. I never used to get to watch it on ITV or channel for wherever it was. It was like two in the morning and you never get used to get to watch it unless you had a, you had a, a VHS player that would tape at a certain time, you know, and set it up. But uh, basically I got to watch a lot more on Sky One when it turned up on Sky One and they had the hourly shows on every week and, and really got into, you know, and I think it was WrestleMania five that they aired live on Sky and or or they aired it the next day and I got to record and watch it. And, you know, so much interest in that, that that event, it was just crazy with the mega powers exploding and all that. It was just it was just brilliant story as well to, to, for the main event. You know they really led up to it. It was a long show. I think it was a three four hour show that one as well. But but yeah, that's how the initial. Uh, the initial interest came in, and Hulk Hogan obviously was the was the key. You know, it was just you, you just loved to watch him as a kid. Obviously, being six seven years old back then, that you 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 got drawn into that. You got drawn into that persona, and and it just went on and on. And they kept introducing better. You know, better. I remember being upset when Rick Rude won because. Because Heenan was holding the Warrior's leg, you know, at the, on, the, on the apron and, and, and being so pissed off with it and thinking it was all real, you know, and just thinking, no, oh. you know, how can he lose? And, and then the next year having Warrior Hogan, it just built up and up and went further and further into attitude. But we can talk about that later. But yeah. It just struck i mean lately i'm more of a casual fan now. I was hardcore watching every single thing i, I even had my own um i even had my own news new uh, what was it called back in the days what were they For- They there weren't forums They were newsrooms they were like new. basically it just used to be you just put an article on like a and people used to come and visit on the website but basically oh, yes. uh, we were called the big three news board the big three and we basically it was named after um uh, the big three meaning ecw wwf and and ecw and we got a million hits you know we got a million hits uh very very soon wow. and th- and the and and that was back in the day so i used to do live commentary as in text commentary so we used to have a post, and it just we just used to get updated, so keep updating it. People used to just sit there, so I used to watch at twelve at, 10, at twelve a.m. while I was at university, and just type. And I actually got my touch typing because. I was able to watch and just type away at these watching these games and doing commentary for people that that either couldn't afford Sky or or couldn't watch it in the UK so yeah or or even in America that wouldn't pay for the pay-per-view so my my story kind of like I was just so involved in it and that that actual website got me my first job at a, a local newspaper in the in the UK in the IT department because they were so impressed that something I worked on had got a million hits and, and back in the day in 2000 2001 that was a big deal you know getting a million hits on your website so yeah they were they were bowled over by that so so yeah I owe a lot actually to to the wrestling business in terms of where I am because that's what kicked me off in on the internet and into my profession where I went into IT so yeah I, I will never stop loving. This I'll never stop watching it. I'm I'm casual right now. I only follow one promotion since they they pretty much owned the world. <laughs> yes. uh, and I I really don't watch TNA and stuff so much, that much. So yeah, I'm, I'm more into WWE. I will watch the pay per views at least and catch a raw here and there if I can.
1: You know, it's it's fascinating because I actually um I actually got my start in politics, believe it or not. So I um oh, no. I actually worked in the United <laughs> States Senate for a while. Um. Plenty of um, politics
0: in wrestling, mate. Plenty.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, if you think about it, they're they're very similar, if not exactly the same thing, you know, in terms of life imitating art. Um, You know, politicians, they cut promos all all the time, uh, just like uh, professional wrestlers do the same thing. And um, it's really just a huge popularity contest. And if you think about the politics that exists backstage in wrestling, it's all that anybody ever talks about Anytime a disgruntled member of a roster is – tossed out of one company or another you get all the good dirt so um, but uh, I, I actually grew up uh, a huge wrestling fan I mean one of my first memories as a child was sitting on my parents floor and watching Andre being slammed by Hogan at WrestleMania 3 believe it or not so um, you know growing up with um, especially to be able to grow up in that era in the 80s and WWF and so many colorful characters from the Hulk Hogan's to the Macho Man Randy Savage's, the ultimate warrior obviously Um, and, uh, so basically I've just carried that love with me, uh, you know, it well well into my, my twenties and, and now early thirties. And, um, I actually started doing voiceovers for, uh, local independent promotions and, um, that transitioned into me getting an opportunity when a commentary slot was opened on Booker T's reality of wrestling, uh, roughly two years ago. And um, ever since then, I have been the the play by play and the the lead commentator for uh, for Booker T show, and it's been it's been a blast that's actually. Awesome. So, you know, I mean, that's sort of the Cliff Notes version of of it. But <laughs> I've been a been a fan of wrestling my entire life and and you know even even when you're still a casual fan once it kind of gets in your blood you can never really get out
0: i i feel quite you know out of place on this pod now (laughs) i I don't have quite the connections and 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 stories you do so so uh, i apologize to the listeners immediately
1: (laughs) but you got your first got your first job because of it so
0: oh god yes it there's there's relevance indeed
3: yeah, it reminds me of that line from The Sopranos where you think you're coming out and then they suck you back in and it's just the same with the wrestling yes. business as well. And, uh, you know, so there have been times when I've been a bit depressed and low about the business and, you know, sometimes I think to myself, why do I even bother with this stuff? But then you'll see another match or some great uh, stuff that just blows you away and you think, man, this is awesome. I just can't give this up ever.
0: I think there's individuals yeah. that you shouldn't give up on, you know, especially, you know, you should definitely watch. If you've got some favorites that work hard and you know that they're trying to do their best, you know, especially in, in, in the main WWE promotion, it's very handcuffed, isn't it? And um, but you know that there's talent there and something's going to happen. Some they've got to break out at some point. So it's worth sticking with just to see if they do, you know, people like Cesaro, it's, it's an example, you know, that, you know, they're going to be good one day. It's just sticking in there waiting for it to happen. <laughs> yeah. You'll see
3: the light. Well,
1: and that's one, of, that, that's one of the things that um, I wanted to talk about was kind of the general state of business because um, like, for example, I, I had fallen out of love with uh, professional wrestling or sports entertainment. And obviously that's a, a whole other conversation, but um I kind of fell out of love with it for a few years and then CM Punk had his infamous pipe bomb promo and that sort of pulled me back in a little bit. And pulled I think that was two thousand. 2000- yeah,
2: it pulled yeah, everyone I mean, back
1: in. It was incredible. So I mean what do you gentlemen think of um of the product today? And I mean I guess when we say product we, we basically mean WWE since they, they own pretty much the entire universe of pro wrestling now, at least, you know, across all of their platforms and their network and cable television and all of that. I think it's patchy. I
0: think it's quite patchy. They 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 do some things really well, and then they absolutely destroy things and people and angles and and just you know that's the problem with it, there being only one promotion that it's a monopoly and there's no competition. I think the competition brings out new ideas and you go a bit more risque and you're able to push, push those boundaries. But right now, cause they're the player they're now, they've now got this network that they're earning from or, or but you know, pushing and obviously game doing well with at the moment. It, it just means that whatever they say goes. And I think Vinnie Mack at the head of it is becoming a bit dated. Whereas you look at the triple H NXT model, and anything you watch on that seems brilliant, and anything you, you 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 just keep watching it, and it's just it's just weird how they're so pulled apart. Yet, obviously, all those all those characters are now getting pulled into and deservedly so into like main events, etc. onto onto the main card. But they're not they're going to be stagnated as well. I mean, that's the issue with it. Me for me, I don't. There's no breakout star. There's only a couple. Uh, and and you know it's just so difficult. And they were made in the Attitude era, or just after Cena and Brock. They were made just after, you know, that that that, yeah. that boom. And since then, what is there after Punk? There's been nothing.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you go back to the Attitude era, they had a very fortunate um, situation in that they lucked almost into three or four unique characters who have those magic intangibles that combined made to uh into some very effective characters that really resonated with the audiences. So you had The Rock. When he first debuted in 96, um he, he was really... How can I put it? Um, green. A waste green. of time.
2: <laughs> he was <Yeah>. green.
3: <laughs> <laughs> green as grass. I mean, yeah. goodness, Rocky Maivia was just um, a heaping pile of suck, really, wasn't he? Um, he was poor <laughs> in the ring. um, You know, he had this big toothy grin, a poor hairstyle. There was nothing about him that really related to the audience and um he had to work hard he had to really look at himself and really question himself and he worked on his character and it took him several years before he realized what that magic formula was that would help him to uh really prepare himself up that kind of pecking order within the wwe or the wwf as it was at the time but once he pulled those different components together um that character the rock was just magnetic and you know Steve Austin as well. Um He came into WWF as a ringmaster. Again, very lousy gimmick. Nothing that really screamed main eventer. Nothing that screamed money to you. Um, but he worked on his gimmick. He worked on his character. He worked on his in-ring as well. Even though, um, in fairness, he was already a pretty good worker by the time he arrived in the WWF. And you had others like Mick Foley and uh, Triple H. You know, these were the guys who had some freedom to develop their characters and i think that's one of the things that really is missing today the guys are so restrained and the girls are so restrained in terms of how they present themselves how they work their matches how they emote um that it's really difficult for them to get over with the audience when um everything is so heavily prescribed
1: yeah i would agree with that i mean um you know what one of the things that um I think is really plaguing WWE right now is that uh, they're not allowing stars to organically grow. Um, I think things are uh, very over scripted and uh, I understand the constraints, especially with live television and trying to put on a three hour live broadcast for cable television every Monday night. But uh, that also can hinder you. Sometimes, you know, you fall into the trap of having too many cooks in the kitchen and uh, when it when it comes off heavily scripted and it feels very contrived, the audience emotionally has the problem connecting with the product. I think some of the things that they're doing right now, they're doing very well. I think you'll, you'll see it with any any segment with Brock Lesnar, for example, I think is absolute money uh, because it's hard for you not to believe that that man could kill anyone at any time. I mean, if you look at just what he did a few weeks ago, he tore a car apart on live television with his pants. Um, so things like that work very well. Uh, there are some other things that don't work so well. And uh, I think a lot of times it's because it's very scripted or there's a real problem connecting with the audience. Like, for example, taking um, an athletic talent like Cesaro and making him yodel on national television or around the world. You have, you, have, you have Cesaro yodeling on TV uh, as opposed to doing what we all know he does best, which is wrestle. And um yeah. So uh so basically, you know, the NXT product just is just connecting more with the audience. And um uh I think that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a wrestling heavy product and they they're doing a great job of pulling back in many of the fans that they lost when the Attitude era came to an end because of it. Um I don't think that you have to consistently hit each other over the head with chairs and put each other through tables in order to satisfy the audience, I think you need to, or, or give them extremely adult-themed um, storylines either. I just think you need to give them believable storylines um, and a good product both in the ring and organically allow stars to create themselves. I mean, the last you know real true organic stars that we saw were guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock, in my opinion. I mean, it's been very hard to have Many others break out organically since then, and um, and hopefully, you know, as the NXT product continues to um, to gain momentum, uh, that Matt, will happen. What have they
0: done? Others. What have they done? That's different. They made what? Have, I mean, NXT have made the title mean something. That's yes. the difference. They everyone wants that belt. Like if they come in, I want the title. It's not about. They have maybe they go a bit personal afterwards. Like obviously, Sami Zayn and and Kevin Owens, they they had they had a, a feud, and they've and basically you know they had all that getting him knocked out in, in into the storyline and you know basically made kevin owens look a monster but but apart from that it's about the belt isn't it majority of the time the person wants to the, the challenger wants to win the title that's what it's all about and that's what's missing from 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 WWE it's at times, you know what I mean. It's the, the the titles are gimmicks at times, and it's just like, why are you doing that? It's it needs to mean something for people to give a shit about it, and yeah. and, and, and that's the key to everything. Is make your title UFC. Why does it work? Because every title means something. It, it, they, I agree. they they mean something, and that's what's lost, right? It's a bait, and you know what? It's very basic. I, I, I listen to JR all the time saying the heels are just not heels anymore. Mm. You know, they they're cool. Why? Why aren't you cheating? They don't cheat anymore. It's not like proper cheating going on in a in a wrestling match. It's like if you bring back some of the basics and you know what? The the product will just slowly improve. People will start to hate people more. If you've got a good heel, it's how you make a baby face for me.
3: Yeah. I mean the basics are what have been the backbone of the wrestling business for a hundred years. Um, you know, all around the world, you know, it's all about good versus bad. And, uh, you know, we had this um, not quite as far back as the days of Hacken Smith and uh, um, Frank Gotch and likes of them. But um, certainly from about 1920s, 1930s onwards, you, you used to see that kind of emergence of characters, gimmicks, um, good versus bad, and about wanting to see, the good guy triumph against adversity and uh, come out victorious in the end. And uh, this is what WWE was very successful with in becoming such an international phenomenon in the 80s. We had Hulk Hogan, very strong, clear, defined baby face going up against one um, heel opponent after another. And each time you thought, okay, now he's come up against someone who he just will not be able to overcome and every time he overcame them and that's what kept Hogan so hot during the 80s and it's also what in a different kind of way kept the likes of Steve Austin and The Rock um over um during their time because again they were strong baby faces and they came up against strong heels and in recent times there's been more of a blaring of that there's more of a a gray kind of area in which people um, within the WWE kind of hovering. And I mean, one example which really irritated me in the last few weeks was uh, the Bella twins. Now, obviously they're not a main event app by any means, but they were going from heel to face to heel to face on raw and SmackDown from week to week. And it was so hard to keep up. I, I, I don't even know what they are this week.
0: So well, it's uh, hard because Bella's is associated with Daniel Bryan and it just makes it blurs it so much. Cause no one's ever going to hate Daniel Bryan. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? No one. If she's married to him, it's very difficult to make a heel for me. You know, it's very difficult to hate, especially after what they've done with the reality shows. You know, you, how can you hate? And I mean, going back well, to your yeah. point about the, the baby face, though, they've got that. And they've lived off that baby face for the last 10 years. John Cena that he always overcomes that adversity. He's that Hulk Hogan. If you look at Hulk Hogan, and I don't know, Matt, you want to talk about Hulk Hogan in a sec, but you look at Hulk Hogan, who's been the modern day Hulk Hogan? It's John Cena. He's carried that company. In fact, I reckon he's going to go down in history as bigger than Hogan now because of obviously the latest controversies and stuff. But but the, the, next, biggest, the next biggest thing, like when Hogan, Hogan turned heel, is Cena turning heel, but they just can't do it because they don't have... Anyone built up enough to go up against him? Maybe Brock in two years' time at a WrestleMania, a, 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 an absolute phenomenon over Brock versus a heel senior would probably sell the Dallas Dallas out. To be honest, I think if he was real heel and he'd do it properly for me, he'd actually take it seriously and cheat and be a bitch about it, you know. But they just, they just can't do it because he's the face and he's doing so much work behind the scenes. Is that right, Matt? They, he does a lot. For WWE,
1: well, well, you know, you know, I mean, the, the two the two points I'll make. The first one, I mean, being about having clear defined roles between baby faces and heels. Um, I don't think that you know. While, while I agree that that has been the bread and butter for WWE for some time, uh, it, being in a reality based era that we're in today, uh, I, I just and and if you look at Cena, Cena has been consistently booed and yes. trolled by yes. fans. Oh yeah. Yes. so that so that that would. That would actually, uh, I, I think shoot a, a, a giant arrow in the argument that, uh, defined baby faces and defined heels is, is the way back for WWE. I think, and if you look at the attitude era, what made the attitude era so great were anti-heroes like Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, if you look at Austin's rise organically, it happened because of that match with Bret Hart. Uh, in which he he almost bled to death and never tapped out. Amazing, and, amazing, and he, and match. And he worked that whole match as a heel.
0: Yeah, and he after
1: that, yeah, and after that, he 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 um he earned the respect and adoration of the uh, the WWF fans at the time. But isn't that so- a
0: phenomenon, though, Matt? That one anti you know establishment. Isn't that a phenomenon because The Rock was clear. You know, he wasn't. He was he was heel and he did switch between heel and babyface. But when he was babyface, there was no. There was no doubt. Do you get what I mean? There's no doubt whether he was or not. You know uh, what I'm trying to say is that those are very few and far between. Those acts that that get over and for example, the example is Bray Wyatt for me. You know he's trying to be cool and he's but he's just not. It's not getting him anywhere. Do you get what, if he was defined? Yeah. And he could he could be a brilliant heel and still get cheered like you know still get have a cult following, but but be dastardly.
3: Yeah, I think the thing with uh, Bray is um he comes across to me as someone who almost thinks too much about how he how he's supposed to come across to the audience and uh, he almost overthinks his promos and overthinks how he's supposed to come across in the ring and um I think that, you know, okay, he's got this great entrance where they're putting their lights on on their smartphones and uh okay, that's cool, but once he's into the ring, um is he really resonating as a strong heel? Um, or even just a strong character with the audience. Are they really reacting to what he's doing in the ring? And more often than not, they're not. And they just sit there. And, um, I think that's a part of his game. He's certainly got to work on. He, in fairness, is a young guy. He's still got time on his side. Um, uh, but, um, you know, th- th- this all got, comes back down to the kind of over controlling way in which the WWE governs itself. um, I mean,
1: I agree a hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent on that in that it it really does stifle creativity. I have to say that, you know, a few months ago, Vince McMahon went on stone cold, Steve Austin's podcast, and he talked about how wrestlers need to step up and um, they need to stand out. And yet I've seen time and time again uh watching wrestlers or or superstars or performers or whatever you want to call them who have done just that and in many instances have been penalized because they've gotten over with the crowd before WWE has allowed them to get over one of the best examples was Daniel Bryan wow um, yeah i in, love that yeah you know and until until that that entire debacle took place at the royal rumble with dave batista winning yeah, and, um, that and was natural, that, right?
0: Matt, that that him getting over was totally natural as well. It was like the the last time anyone has naturally got over over like crazy. Yes, over. it
1: was completely organic in the way Stone Cold was, and yet for some reason they were refusing to allow this to happen. And then afterwards, everybody you know wants to claim that it was all part of the plan. But um, I mean, Punk left, wasn't let, it?
0: Was it because Punk yeah, left?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest here. It, it just simply wasn't, and um, so that's the thing. And, and the other thing is too is is I understand why some of it has changed and why some of it needs to be a little bit more scripted than it was before because it is a publicly traded company, and the competition that WWE has today isn't the WCW's of the world. It's reality television. It's it's every other form of medium that they're competing against. Um, that is who their competition is today. But that doesn't mean that you have to cut the heart out of your product
2: Mm. because
1: when you do that, then your fans, even your core audience becomes indifferent to what you're doing. And I think that's something that they need to be very careful of.
3: Absolutely. And um, you know, I think that um, Triple H recognizes that because NXT is very much his baby and um, a lot of the talent that they've recruited to NXT in the last couple of years – they've very much been driven by him whenever they sign a new talent from the indies um he makes sure that he takes a picture selfie with him and posts it on uh, twitter or other social media um just to let everyone know hey you know i have i've been behind this this is my doing i brought this guy to or this girl to uh, nxt um i think he sees a bigger picture that you know that the wrestling um is is what really um, needs to be the heart and soul of the wwe um, all the entrances the look of the characters um and everything else is all great but when it comes deep down to it it's the in-ring product and the stories that go into what happens in the ring that really suck people in and keep people hooked in and um i think that's why nxt is becoming a success because as you said gags um it is more about the in-ring and um that's why nxt is has been such a
0: success this year, and it's branching. Many, not many gimmicks either, uh, Mo. They don't use these chairs and tables, and and, and they do the high flying stuff. I, you know, and that's gonna, you know, it's it's gonna take a toll on their bodies later in life, and they probably have shorter careers. Some of them, but but they don't go flying through tables and have to be over like that. It's that crowd loves them for for their performance and what they give. They give everything. Even the the, the divas. I mean, I don't even like calling them that. The women. They are brilliant in NXT. You you forward it on. You, you you come to your DVR, you know, or your Sky Plus when the Diva matches on a, on on Raw or on a pay per view. You for I I I just forward it because I know it's going to be not worth watching. But whereas when it comes to NXT, I don't because I know it's going to be worth watching. Yeah, um, that's that's exactly why um,
3: I think Stephanie's even recognised that because she saw the girls in the NXT were really getting over because the booker in NXT was actually giving the girls more than four minutes or five minutes to actually express themselves and work a really good match. And once they were allowed that time, um, lo and behold, they actually had good matches. And so um, (laughs) they've recognized that now in the WWE. And we saw this past week, um, Page and Sasha Banks given, I think, about 14 minutes, which is a really long time for uh, females in the WWE main roster to be given for a match. And I didn't think it was a great match, but the fact that they even allowed them to work that uh, length of match in one of the prime segments on the show uh, was a really promising sign. And I think it's a bit of an education thing because um, you're not different to many people um, in that many people just fast forward through the Divas matches because traditionally over the last 10, 15 years, they've not been very good. Um, but we do know there's a lot of female talent out there. I grew up back, you know, 20 years ago watching um, the likes of Manami Toyota and um, Akira Akuto in All Japan Women, and they were Every bit as good, if not better, than the male wrestlers that were around at the time. So I know that uh, women wrestling and women wrestlers can be just as good as the men. And I think in the WWE, if they work on it long term, that can happen in the WWE as well.
0: I can't sit through a three-hour Raw. I have to forward parts of, of it that I know aren't going to be interesting. I'm sorry. I mean, it probably doesn't come across as a very good fan that to sit there and not watch it. I just can't. I, I have so much on my plate. I just cannot sit there and watch three hours this is a huge issue for them I, you know it's just I don't get it, it I, I just I'd rather they put an hour of NXT at the end of Raw honestly
3: yeah there is um, a point at which you over um, saturate your market and um, I think the WWE's Around that point right now, in that they've got three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, they've got main event, they've got NXT, they've got one or two other smaller shows like Superstars, and, um, there's so much product out there. And on top of that, they're looking to produce even more. Um, so, um, whilst, you know, even the biggest, most ardent WWE fans try to keep on top of all of that, um, there is a point at which you have to say, okay, you know, I've got other things to do, I've got other things to watch um okay enough is enough this is about uh, as much time as i can do uh watching this stuff and um that's why i think i I agree with you i think two hours would be about the right amount of time for uh wwe raw but as we know uh money talks and um three hours of raw equals more money than two hours of raw so for the foreseeable future i think we'll, we'll start with three hours
1: yeah, I, I, I agree, uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that WWE, however, their ambitions are extending, their ambitions are extending beyond just the in-ring product. And, um, you know, as far as the WWE network is concerned, I mean, all their chips are on the table. Um, it's not necessarily sink or swim for them if this doesn't work out, but it would be a tremendous blow to the company. Uh, if it does not work out. So you're going to see more and more content coming from them as they try to create, you know, I guess, change the perception, if you will, I think, of WWE from being more than just a pro wrestling company or a sports entertainment brand, but of just being an entertainment brand in general that produces films, that produces original television series. Um, They really want to go the way of the Netflix model and if they can do that, they'll be successful. But it's a big if. And and we we actually talked about this gentleman uh, when we first discussed doing the the, the show. Um, we talked about that Raw that had um, you know the Brock Lesnar segments on there with the Undertaker and everything. And and I'd said then I still believe that if that show had just been two hours, it would have been one of the best Monday Night Raws of all time. But Indeed. you get into that you get in that third hour. It was and, hot. Yeah, it was hot. Yeah, it's just exhausting after that. I mean, it's like what oh, – right. you, 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 you follow Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker tearing each other apart all over the building. You follow that with a six-man tag match. <laughs> no one's – I mean, that's why everyone's tuning out and the ratings tell you that. So it's more than just an opinion. It's a fact.
3: Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, you know, there, there, there's – uh you no know, real flaws with having a three hour show and, you know, they're having to spread the talent too thin and, um, the booking, um, loses its focus as well because they're just trying to create too much product. And, uh, you know, that, that's the crying shame of it. I think if it was a two hour show, um, it could be so much more effective. Um, but um, unfortunately, um, they are committed to three hours and we'll be committed to that for the foreseeable future. Um, but on the flip side, let's, let's be talking about some positives as well. Because, uh, <laughs> we've done a lot of moaning here, but um, you know, one thing I've really got to give WWE a lot of credit for is the in-ring product. Um, in my opinion, the last 18 months has seen such a massive improvement to what it was three or four years ago when, for example, The Miz was the champion. Um, at that time, I was just so despondent. I was watching WWE Raw and SmackDown and thinking... Why am I hardly ever seeing good matches on TV or on pay per view? Never mind great matches. And yet fast forward to, to now to now and we're seeing great matches week after week after week on raw on pay per view on nxt and we're just almost spoiled for the quality of wrestling that we are seeing and um, i've really got to give kudos to wwe they've really invested well in the talent they brought into the company and they're really delivering the good cesaro kevin owens even john cena i mean he's really stepped it up in the last couple of years and uh uh, I've got to give him credit for that.
0: You know what they've—they've they've bent, haven't they? They've bent in terms of started getting the the independent wrestlers in and bringing them through NXT. If you look at the main event, how many of them were in NXT? Like you know, all all of Shield were were in there, weren't they? So where they are now, they've all come through NXT, right? A majority of them, even from the original NXT, the one that was just like a TV show, that <laughs> quite a lot of them are in, are in are in are in you know got into decent spots. So. It, it, it's the, that's that's the one thing that they did well was that they bent and said you know what like Samoa Joe basically it's stuff like that that gives me a bit of hope that they're going to be able to get good talent and not be pig-headed like they used to be
1: oh I think I mean I think they're on a path to um create a, a new level of, of stars and um and I think you could have personalities like we've seen in the Attitude Era before I mean I think I look at a guy like a Kevin Owens and I've never really been able to put my finger on what it is about Kevin Owens, but he just has that it factor. Um, it's just every time that Kevin Owens opens his mouth, you want to listen to what he has to say. Every time Kevin Owens is, wa- is working a match, you want to watch that match. Um, yeah, another guy that I see coming up is, is Finn Balor. All, all the J- uh, Japanese fans know him as Prince Devitt, but, um, uh, Finn Balor could be one of the biggest stars that the industry has ever seen.
2: Wow, if really?
1: They will just—I really do believe. That I agree. Just, I agree. If they just get out of.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, hello
1: For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per
3: week. Individual results may vary.
1: His way and put the rocket booster on him just a little bit. He doesn't need much, but I will tell you this, Gags. If, you, if, if I've if watched it. If, if you ever if finn balor ever gets an opportunity to make an entrance at a wrestlemania he's a made man really
3: yeah if you watched um the uh live special from japan did, beast I from did. the east a few I weeks ago admit, yeah. on the
1: wwe network um
3: the reaction to him was amazing he, and was, entrance, over. he wow. was over he
0: was over he was so over uh,
3: that that was just um a glimpse of i think what's to come and uh you know, he, he, I've been watching him for several years and he's, he's got something special about him. He's got this charisma. And, um, my only fear is, is that there's competing forces about what, who to push and who not to push within the WWE. I think somebody like Triple H would be completely behind him, but I think Vince McMahon has a slightly different mindset. Well, a very different mindset. He's very much a size mark. You know, he likes his wrestlers and especially his top talent, his main eventers to be, of a certain size and a certain look. And um, while Devy has got a very unique, um, special look, um nonetheless, he's still a small guy. You know, he's about five eight, five nine. um He's less than 200 pounds. And as we've seen with Daniel Bryan, no amount of crowd response or uh, popularity uh, really convinced Vince that Daniel Bryan is a, cu- a, a guy to build a company around. And uh, that's my only little fear. But I'm hoping that as time goes on, these talents that are coming through from NXT are given the opportunity. And if they do get over Vince,
0: may after all these years change his mind and actually accept smaller guys. But do you think that he's unique enough to, to, to get over, but I mean, like to get in his good books, because you know, he loves the gimmick. Right, you know Vince. There's two things he likes. He likes the big guy, but then he loves a gimmick. He loves something quirky, doesn't he? Because he, he he rolled out with all these crap ones, obviously over the years. But Taker worked, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the one that you think that didn't wouldn't work, like a dead man in, in wrestling. Come on, <laughs> it worked, and it's it's worked so well, made him so much money. But Finn Balor, you look at the gimmick and you look at the the look. It's so unique so so unique and yeah like i think matt was saying that entrance alone probably would sell you know it, it should would sell uh and, and matt i mean is that is that would he i mean i like like i'm the least knowledgeable on this part i mean from a vince point of view do you see that as well like the uniqueness of him could 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 appeal to him
1: i i do and i'll tell you something else as well I, it's it's very apropos right now because the most popular fighter in the world is conor mcgregor if we're talking, if we, if we if we if we look at UFC for a minute, and yeah. I've seen how, I've seen how much UFC has grown and how it has exploded recently, and I'll tell you, I think a lot of that has to do with Dana White taking pointers from Vince McMahon. I would suggest maybe Vince take a few pointers from Dana White on this one. <laughs> we talked earlier about the championships and whether they're meaningless or they mean as much as they used to. What I would submit to you, gentlemen, is. I think that the championship structure in WWE should change a little bit. If you're talking about being in a reality-based era today, which Triple H has said numerous times when talking about the product, why not create weight classes instead of having these titles like the Intercontinental Championship and and people asking questions like, "Well, what does that mean? Why not have um, you know, a, a light heavyweight division again that a guy like a Finn Balor could be your champion for. Conor McGregor is 145 pounds and he's arguably the most famous UFC fighter ever. So you don't have to be a 250-pound a giant anymore to be a respected fighter, whether whether you, you wrestle uh, in a predetermined sport or whether you wrestle in, in one that's not predetermined.
0: Isn't the dream, though, for a wrestler to be world heavyweight champion, like, you know, they always want to be that. That's the one they want, even if they did get... I suppose, I guess what you're saying, if it became meaningful, the light heavyweight, for example, if they yes. made it meaningful, then it would be a dream for them to win it. But right now, they only give the meaningfulness to the the main one, don't they? I agree with Matt, though. I mean, times have changed. I mean, if you go back to the 80s,
3: um, it was all about big guys. If you looked at the movies, action heroes were big. Most uh, successful boxers were big. Mike Tyson was a heavyweight champion of the world. The biggest wrestlers were big and uh, times have changed. Now the most popular boxer is a guy who's 140 pounds and uh, he just did 4.4 million buys um, on pay-per-view, uh, which is supposed to be a dead format only three months ago. Um As you point out, Matt, the most over guy in the UFC at the moment is 145 pounds as well. Um, so size certainly is less of a factor for people when it comes to putting their hand in their pocket and paying to see someone. It's all about characters. It's all about personality. It's all about charisma. And if you're £145 or £345, if you've got that X factor, then um people will pay to see you. And I think that if Vince can get over um that kind of... um size thing that he has a fetish almost <laughs> that he has carried over since um, he was a young guy <laughs> a young promoter um, I think I think um, it'd be for everyone's benefit in the WWE and um, the likes of Daniel Bryan the likes of um, Finn Balor can easily and comfortably be pushed as the face of the company um, but I think at the same time Matt you're right as well in that if uh, WWE is uncomfortable about putting 180-pound guys over 350-pound guys, then why not reintroduce a weight division, keep the weight division separate, and really book um, a light heavyweight division or even a lighter weight division than that in a really, really strong way and allow those characters and those wrestlers um, to be seen as equals to the heavyweights.
1: Absolutely. And and in addition to that, every once in a while – they could cross paths, and, and you're able to to build a super fight, a, a super match, and it it generates more interest. Um, it's it's a way of it's it's a it's a new it would be a new layer of of being able to protect a specific part of the business, and in doing so, grow um, an entire new legion of fans because there are so many uh, professional athletes on the WWE and NXT roster that have a hard time getting on screen. Because of what you pointed out, Gags, and that is that, that there are so many big men who are getting up there. I mean, I, listen, I hold nothing against guys like Ryback, for example, um, or even the Big Show. But um, would you rather watch Big Show and Ryback work each other, or would you rather watch Finn Balor um, and Hideo Itami on Raw? I mean, I think it's pretty clear what we'd rather see, at least from my personal opinion. Hmm. And so I think if you you create these weight classes or these divisions and you make them mean something. Uh, the titles will mean something again, and we would have more of the stars we'd like to see on RAW. I think it's the
0: most unlikely thing to happen, though, in WWE. That's the problem. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's the problem. Very cynical of you guys. Sorry, I just I'm just against Vince McMahon at the moment. I want I want Triple H to
1: take over ASAP. <laughs> Well, we talked earlier about the uh, the big man of the '80s. What do you gentlemen think about the uh, the Hulk Hogan controversy? We, we we should talk about it because it's uh, it's been on everybody's tongue the last week, and um, he made some very controversial comments, which have been repeated in the press time and time again on um, a sex tape that apparently he was involved in uh, seven or eight years ago. Uh, what do you think of of Hulk Hogan? What's what's next in the life of the Hulkster?
3: Well, I mean, there have been times in the past when Hulk's career has looked um, dead in the water and he rebounded and he came back and uh, he was just as much a star as he was in his, hey- in his heyday. But I just do not see any way back for the Hulkster at this point in time. Um I think his it career is completely kaput now. And it's not just... Uh, in a wrestling sense, but completely full stop in any form of entertainment or media. Um, I just can't see why anyone would want to touch him. Um, I think the comments that he came out with were completely vile. And, you know, I, I read comments online, people saying, well, you know, he should have been more sensible and uh, keeping his views to himself. Well, in my view, even if you're keeping those views private, that's bad enough because the views are just vile and horrible full stop whether you're keeping them private or you're expressing him to another individual. Um, so that alone, um, is bad enough, but then he came out with homophobic comments as well. Um, and then on top of that, there was a release, I think yesterday or the day before of, um, a recording of a conversation he was having in prison with, um, Nick Hogan or Nick Blair, um, from about 2008 where further racial comments were made. Um, he's just, um, completely damaged goods now
0: it's he's done he's done wrestling business wise you you don't want to touch him you don't want to touch him for a brand anyone that pay, picks pays him any money for a brand now is stupid you're going to switch people away from it The the problem is it's such a shame because you you grew up looking up to this guy and the way he's gone now uh, it's just uh, you, imagine in in football, you know, if if anyone makes racist comments, they're done. Look at Ron Atkinson, absolutely mm. done.
2: Mm.
0: No one touches him. You know, I mean, the sexism with um, Andy Gray and and Richard Keys never been on UK TV again. They've been on radio, yes, and they've gone now to Qatar, but they've not been in the UK. You yeah. know th- this is the this is the thing that happens, and I think WWE had no choice; they had to. And I know Vince McMahon has made comments and stuff inside, um, like on Raw and stuff. You know, in a backstage segment, but they've come out and said, you know, that was a character, and it was, you know, it's fictional; it's not real. I don't know if they can get away with that, but <laughs> but you know, it does. It, 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 I, I think questions will be raised about it. I don't know what you guys feel on that, but I just think you shouldn't go there. You can't now, you know, it's just, it's just, I mean, being from an ethnic minority myself and growing up in the UK, racism was apparent and it was heavy, you know, in schools uh, and constant, Use of the Paki word, even though I wasn't—I'm not Pakistani at all. You know, oh. the, the, the use of the word Paki was, it was a racial slur towards Asian people. Yeah, with, people with, with the color, exactly. So yeah. uh, we've been through that—the bullying just because of color. You know, so you just—it's very, very uh, personal, and but it, it just—it's just something you don't do. So I—I'm I, totally behind what they did, removing him totally. You know, off of everything, it's the right move. And like Mo said. He's he's gone now unfortunately and he's lucky that they just didn't wipe him from the network but he's, he's probably valuable in that sense that the stuff he has done in the past is memorable uh, and they can't really do that like they did with Benoit which is a whole another podcast by the way but, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah I, I think he's done and it's a shame it, 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 there's one thing you must say it's a big shame that he's like that because mm. you, you would it, if, if I never knew that I'd always look up to him You know, he'd always be one of my favourites. But when it comes to, you know, memorable people now, I'll never think of Hogan anymore like that because of these actions and stuff. I just just won't. It just tarnished him. Because he would have been like that all his life.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean... I first watched him in January 87, 1987, uh, when the WWF, um, as it was at the time, first was broadcast in the UK on um, ITV on a Saturday afternoon. He had um, uh, a match against uh, Randy Savage, and uh, it was an amazing match. Um, I'd never seen somebody who looked like that. Um, I'd grown up watching... You know, big fat northern guys from the, you know, from northern England. Um, and, um, you know, small pale guys with no physiques. And there was this huge guy, you know, well over six foot, you know, huge arms, shoulders, chest, everything. And, um, he looked like nobody I'd ever seen. He was a unique character. And immediately uh, he got my attention. And it was just the same with pretty much everyone else who, uh, saw him for the first time, uh, whether it was in the eighties or the nineties. And, uh, you know, he's an icon of the business. I mean, irrespective of the comments that he's come out with, um, he will forever be an icon of the business. Um, but it will always be a tarnished, uh, legacy that, um, he'll always be remembered for because, um, there's just no way that there will be redemption for him. There's no, um, happy ending for him as far as I can tell. And, uh, that, that's the saddest thing.
0: And he he was built as superhuman, wasn't he? superhuman he was built as a superman type of person that overcomes everything it just well that's right i mean one of the things that we don't have in wrestling these days are genuine
3: larger than life characters and um, if you're a kid in the 80s growing up um, he was the embodiment of larger than life i mean not only watching wwf but if you watch the a-team or rocky 3 or even that wwf cartoon um he, he was everywhere and uh you know, he was, he was one of the defining characters of that era. And, um, you know, he transcended the wrestling business and he, to this day is the most single, most famous pro wrestler of all time. Um, he's a bona fide household name across the world. And, um, it's, it's really sad that it's come to this. And, uh, you know, I I just, um, feel that overall, it's a sad thing. I mean, I'm, I'm very angry with him that he had, it's turned out he had these kind of views, um, these very despicable views. But uh, you know, it's 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 right that um, all the criticism and flak that he's getting um, is coming his way because um, he deserves it.
1: I think there's a considerable level of responsibility that comes with being a, a personality or a persona like Hulk Hogan, and 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 the one thing is is that is that I, I can separate the character Hulk Hogan from the man Terry Bollea. Um, in terms of what he contributed to the business, but at the same time I, I also agree with you gentlemen that um it's very unlikely that there'll be any way back for hogan and just seeing how he's handled it in the last few days um you know retweeting the likes of uh dennis rodman uh on on twitter uh who who have been supporting him i mean not exactly the best character witness in the world uh to, you know to to begin with i mean this is this is one of those situations where you know the best thing that Hulk could have done is is just it, we'll have some radio silence for a while, and then come back and apologize for what he's done. and And there and there there could be an opportunity here for him to do that, but I just I don't see it at this point. And sadly, uh, we've seen this happen time and time again with many of the athletes. Um, who we grew up watching on WWF television or WWE programming, uh, where, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, I think the ultimate warrior is a perfect example of this. There was a time where, uh, the company war- trashed the warrior. Um, you know, they came out with a, with a DVD called the, uh, the, the, the destruction of the ultimate warrior or the ultimate destruction of the ultimate warrior. now, um, everybody forgets about all that because he was inducted into the Hall of Fame and then his untimely passing, you know, not soon after that. But uh, there was a time where he said some very, uh, inflammatory things about members of the company and other people, and those things were forgiven. There were times where Macho Man said some very inflammatory things about people in the company, um, and some of the other workers, and of course, Hulk Hogan. I mean, the things he said about Hogan publicly were well documented. But now we have a better view of macho as well. So I think if Hogan were to handle this the right way and embrace this as an opportunity to apologize and help eradicate language like that from the English language altogether, um, it would be his greatest victory. But at this point, I just don't see how he how he could do that because to me, it doesn't even seem like Hulk is thinking clearly at this point. And, and that, I think, is one of the most unfortunate parts about it is that he holds views like this in his heart and um, he's not thinking clearly enough to, to fix the problem
0: he's even getting trolled by football fans you know they're, they're, just, they're just sending that, you pictures yes. <laughs> they're, they're sending you pictures of players and saying you know my, me and my mate don't think you're racist and he's thanking them and retweeting them and and it's such a shame it's like cause I, I, you do feel bad for him because he's you're just like oh you don't know anything do you he was getting
3: trolled by Arsenal fans on Thursday cause, oh um, man
0: it was hilarious
3: yeah they've got no Sky Sports uh, Twitter posts to be voting for
1: football <laughs> <was Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that took into it. Well, gentlemen, uh, this has been a really good discussion on our first episode. We've got, um, we've got SummerSlam coming up as well. We'll have to talk about uh, our SummerSlam uh, predictions and a little preview on the, uh, on the next pod.
3: Yes, we will. I mean, it's um, going to be a huge event. It's uh, expanding to four hours. So the same as WrestleMania. And I think the WWE is looking to, really make it a significant event and um, they'll be focusing it um, quite heavily as a, um, a key draw for the month of August on the WWE Network. And uh, obviously um, the network in itself is uh, something that's been in the news in the last couple of days with announcement of the uh, subscriber numbers um, being um, lower than they were just after WrestleMania, but still pretty healthy. And um, WWE's well on course to smash its revenue um, records for um, uh, 2015. So um, good news on that front. But uh, yeah, it's it's shaping up to be a, a huge event, and uh, it'll be topped off by um, a match that, as they've announced, is uh, some you know 18 months in the making. Uh, sorry, 17 months in the making with uh, Brock Lesnar in The Undertaker.
0: They expected the drop off of um, subscribers from wrestlemania to be huge they really did and industry experts also expected it to be huge and it's not it's not taken that much of a hit no, so it no, so, um... so they've they've so that's the that's why i think their shares went through the roof didn't they, today i think and yes. um, they've they've had like a massive massive uprising shares or something and and the thing that come out of it most was that they're building SummerSlam as WrestleMania of August. I've got a feeling they're going to do Survivor Series as WrestleMania of November, and <laughs> then I think they're going to do Royal Rumble as WrestleMania of January because those were the the four right in the in the olden days. They were. It was, and I think that's what they're going to go with. I think that's what they're going to. I think that's what they're going to do, and they should too. Too, they should do because they need to mean something. They've lost some meaning, but uh, I mean, I'm all for it. A, a great show will be will be awesome for them, and I just hope they, they you know build the undercard while well, that's all.
1: What do you gentlemen think about the possibility of John Cena not being able to uh, make it for what could be a double main event between you know him and Seth Rollins, maybe uh, coming on before um, Lesnar and Taker? He, suffered a nasty broken nose on monday night had to have emergency surgery and now has to have reconstructive surgery on it as oh, well Oh really
0: i didn't yes. know it was that bad yes oh yeah. so he's a doubt is he
1: well um i mean we're we're roughly what five are we five weeks out or four weeks out now at this point
3: it's, um i think it's less than that it might be three weeks out now yeah, just over three so. weeks so uh yeah i mean it's uh Something I think it will still work as a show. Um, He might wear a protective face mask um, in going into um, a match with Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Um, He's a trooper, though. I mean, he worked through that match um, uh, carried on for several minutes with that broken nose and it was a total mess. I mean, his nose looked like it made him look like, um, a goalkeeper from the eighties, uh, Steve Agrizovich. Do you remember him, Gags? Yeah, I <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> oh nose gosh, was, just yeah, was horrible <laughs> across half of his face. And, uh, yeah, I mean, despite that, I mean, he just showed, you know, what a trooper he is, is that, uh, he carried on with the match and, uh, it was still a great, great match, wasn't it? And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he'll, he'll, I think he'll work uh, I think he'll work SummerSlam. He'll be there and uh he won't let his fans down.
0: Like you said the 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 protective face mask that that is um, they I've seen that used a lot and I think they won't want to ruin SummerSlam. I really didn't I really hope they hadn't didn't go that way though. I really hope that they did something with Cesaro and Kevin Owens you know with Cena instead and give Rollins a new challenger or something some a surprise cuz that's two stars that you could have in two main in t- two main matches on, on, a, on a super show, you know, whereas they've now combined it. So two titles could have been separate, big, big, because Cena's really made the US title now, really made it, I think. He's made it mean something with with him fighting, you know, with, with him de- defending it every week. And I think that would have meant more with two, two meaningful titles on a, on a pay-per-view. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but a bit disappointed that they were going to, they're going to go with that angle as it is anyway, personally. Maybe a big 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 i yeah. We've seen it a lot though already.
3: Yeah, they're looking to um obviously uh build that line up to be something special and uh obviously scenery is one of their hottest acts and has been for a good decade and uh see, and obviously Rollins is their world heavyweight champion, so they've decided to match those two up together. I agree with you though, I think um if they had separate matches and um brought uh perhaps Owens to compete against Rollins and Cesaro maybe to go for the US title. Um, that would, if anything, have been more attractive and probably de- delivered two two great, great matches because um, on paper they would be fantastic.
1: I think uh, John Cena at this point, uh, I I really I really do believe that John Cena, whether he wins or loses, whether he wins another WWE World Heavyweight Championship at this point, I believe is the most accomplished uh, star in the history of the company uh, and. And I say that because his run is now longer than Hogan's. Um, it's now more than twice as long as Austin's or The Rock's. And um, judging on what we've seen happen in the self-destruction of Hulk Hogan over the last week or so, who do you point to as, as the all-time face of your company? I mean, what better example to use than John Cena? So, um, and... If you look at his body of work in the last 18 months, he's worked better than he ever has. Uh, he continues to, um, revolutionize the way he works in the ring. And I know there are some people that, are, you know, are, are not that high on springboard stunners and <laughs> taking out of me. every other maneuver. But, <laughs> but you've also, in the context of it, you also have to look at the fact that, you know, audiences' attention spans are changing and you can't win a match with a DDT anymore. So, you know, it's just, it's it's one of those things. But I mean, I, I, I applaud John Cena for everything that he does. And I, he takes a lot of flack from fans. And even at one time, I was one of them. But uh, I am totally sold and 100% in the John Cena fan club now. I mean, everything the guy does, as far as I'm concerned, it just keeps getting better and better.
0: I I, I think he, he deserves a lot of respect. As in, as in a fan of his, in in the ring and stuff. I've I've never, you know, I'd be in the guys who I'd be in the in the crowd. I'd be the one who's booing him, you know. In the, I'd be, I'd be the booing <laughs> section. But yeah. I actually think the day, whenever it comes, and it will come, watch because it's a, it's money. When he goes heel, one day when they build the star to go against him, that is when. That is just going to go mad. Honestly, it just be it'll just be crazy,
3: and it'll be one of the greatest things in the history of the business.
0: I mean, yeah, it, it, it's like Hogan's turn. Like I said, yeah. the Hogan turn. No one expected it, apart no. from I think it was it was it Heenan who almost spoilt it. But apart, <laughs> on commentary, but yeah. apart from that, if he ever does go fully healed, that will be now. That's one of the avenues that they haven't got that they haven't ever gone into. And I think it would be money, but it's just getting there.
1: I think that's a great conversation for another podcast. What was the most shocking moment in the history of wrestling? The Undertaker's undefeated streak being broken at WrestleMania or Hulk Hogan turning heel and joining the NWO? Nice.
3: That's yes. a good one, yeah. yeah.
1: Something for the listeners to look forward to.
3: We can have an argument about that, definitely.
2: <laughs>
1: well gentlemen it has been a lot of fun and and truly an honor to to host this pod I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did yeah it was great thank you for having me on
3: yes thanks to both of you it was a a great one hour and uh, look forward to doing it again next week
1: awesome Mo do you have anything you'd like to plug before we go
3: well I'd just like to uh, put my Twitter account out there I've uh, always got a lot to say about both wrestling and MMA um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mo Chatra, M-O-C-H-A-T-R-A
1: okay awesome and Gags a uh, big announcement coming up soon about the uh, about the new pod app
0: yeah the Amford Index channel where you know this podcast will be one of those inside the other sports section has um, has basically been signed off today I've uh, completed testing on it it seems perfect to me right now as it is so hopefully next week we submit that to Apple and it goes and it'll be on the App Store within a week or two. And then we start work on the Android version. So it's just a big step for, for the whole website and, you know, big, big, big moment for me personally because we worked very hard on, on this for, you know, two two years now, second like two years in the making. So, yeah, it's going to be a huge time. And this this podcast is exactly the type of thing that we want to move towards in terms of it doesn't have to, just because it's Anfield Index, um, and just because it's at the Anfield Index channel, it doesn't have to be football. It can be Liverpool supporters talking about other things that they've been passionate about and other things that they've achieved and helped us to get to this point, which you know I do put down to and I'm thankful for. And not only that, like like um, Matt was saying about the WWE, they want TV shows, they want movies, you know, WWE, but they, they actually want to branch out into other entertainment and be successful and i want uh, i want liverpool fans and maybe we'll have non liverpool fans on talking about other things as well i want these podcasts to be su- as successful as the, the liverpool based ones i want them to create their own niche um, you know uh, audience and i want them to, to to be successful i want you know that's what that's what i want that there's no point in doing anything unless you know you want it to work and that's the reason why matt and mo are going to be on this show every week because as you heard at the start they're so they're so connected in in the industry and not only connected but they've worked in it and they're working in it so that then obviously brings a whole load of um rep- repute you know there's it's a rep- reputable podcast immediately because of the people that are on it and and I think that's what you bring and uh I'm really looking forward to recording these and listening in
1: awesome guys well, if I can, really quick, I'd like to, to plug as well, um, realityofwrestling.com. It's the, uh, the organization that I work for, and uh, it's run by Booker T. Uh, not only does he train all of the students, but um, he is our Vince McMahon. We, uh, we have weekly television shows, which air here in Houston and in different parts of the United States. And we have a YouTube channel where those episodes are viewable every week. It's at youtube.com forward slash T R O W. So check that out. And um, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Topolsky, T-O-P-O-L-S-K-I on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys, so much for doing this. Um, I'm looking forward to it every week, Mo. It's going to be awesome. Good luck, guys. All right. Thank you, Gags. Well, gentlemen, it looks like um, we have some breaking news, actually. um, I am – you just found out about this, so – I'm very uh, sad to report that um, we have lost another legend, actually. Rowdy Rowdy Piper um, has died at the age of 61. So um, I just, uh, if we can, I'd love to kind of get you, uh, both both of y'all's thoughts on this. I mean, we're just finding out about this right now. It looks as if he passed away today in his home uh, from cardiac arrest uh, at 61 years old, one of the uh, the greatest legends uh, ever in the history of, of sports entertainment, professional wrestling—that's
0: sad. Sad news, uh, Matt. Uh, <sighs> on the first pod, as we ended it uh, on a high, I think. But this guy—I think I mentioned earlier that that first show I watched, he was a big part of it. He had the—he um, had the uh, the the Viper's pit, didn't he, on there on WrestleMania Five, and the big, big, you know, the big pay per view that I watched on Sky and. They they showed a lot of his highlights in terms of the big coconut smashing of Snooker and how he became popular and even the build up to Hogan and Andre. He was you know it was the Piper's Pit that they did quite a lot of the the initial stuff on and Piper obviously WrestleMania one is is you know Roddy Piper it, 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 he was in the main event and he had that big match with with the the boxing match with Mister T afterwards and he's told all the stories on his own pod and with Austin on Austin's pod, And they're fantastic. And he, there was real animosity between them two. And, uh, history, you know, he's part of, he's part of what made what WWF WWE is now. He was uh, that, that one show WrestleMania one was make or break for Vince Jr. And what a shame. And, and I don't think he ever got that. I don't think WWE ever gave him that, you know, that, 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 Pinnacle uh, that that credit I don't think, and he always longed for it. Always, whenever you listen, heard him talk, he longed for that appreciation or being in that ring with a Rock or an Austin. You know, he thinks he could have held his own. Another thing, obviously. He was amazing on the mic, so he could have, and maybe that's probably one of the things that he didn't get. And obviously, recent events as well. I think the WWE kind of cut ties with him because of Austin and all that. That's gonna hurt those the the people involved in that a little bit. Now that he's passed, and you know that that's a shame, a really big shame towards the end with what happened, but let's not concentrate on that he he was fantastic and it's a shame what ha- you know that he's gone but i'll always remember him fondly he was he's definitely one of the all-time legends and dusty and him in the in the matter of months uh so it's horrible hard
2: to reach, yeah. Hard to
3: yeah it is i mean it's it's just uh not me not me for six um, as i say here in england um a complete shock uh to learn about this and um You know, what's um, sad is that, you know, we were talking about um, some of the restraints that talent in the WWE face these days, and um, the antithesis of that was Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, he really uh, broke the mold and um, did thing his his way um, when he first came into the WWF in, uh, what, 1984, and um, really um expressed himself in a very unique way um in his promos in the way he conducted himself in the ring um as a worker i thought he was actually quite an underrated worker um he was he was actually a lot better in the ring than people gave him credit for and if you think back to WrestleMania eight when he had that great match against bret Hart he, sh- he showed you know he can hold his own against um some of the workers uh, that more highly renowned um, in ring generals um but yeah certainly. Um, A bona fide Wrestling legend A bona fide household name Um, As we talked about with Hogan um, Piper also Transcended the business um, Was every bit as Responsible for making WWF um, A huge brand In the mid 80s um, With what he did uh, To hype up and build Wrestlemania 1 With Mr. T And the dynamic between the two and um, it, it's, it's such a shame that um, you know just in the last 2-3 weeks before he has passed away um, relationships with the WWF had soured but as you say um, you know no, nobody will remember that in a year years time never mind five ten years from now people remember the legend that was uh, Rowdy Rory Piper he is um, a huge influence in so many in the business to this day um, you know he talked about uh CM Punk and the Pipe Bomb and um that was in many ways inspired by Rowdy Roddy Piper just you know cutting loose on the mic in a very unpredictable way um which made you listen intently to what he had to say and um that's what made him one of the unique uh stick men in the business and um it's 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 real sad.
1: You know I, I had um I one of my you know regrets certainly now Uh, Is that um, a few weeks ago? uh, You know, for the reality of wrestling show that I'm a part of, we uh, we did a comic palooza show, and Rowdy Piper was actually there, and actually gave our show an on air endorsement. And um, I never got a chance to um, to get down and actually introduce myself to him. And he was always one of my favorites, and and I'll I'll always regret that now. But um, you know his um, his match with Bret Hart at WrestleMania Eight. Such a special match, especially for me, because I was such a huge fan of both of theirs growing up as a child, and and they told such a fantastic story in that match. But I, I go back even farther and I look at what Rowdy Piper did so so early in his career, and um, and even that rivalry that he had with Hulk Hogan um, that bled into WrestleMania One. Um, it never truly materialized into into its its full potential, and and I think. You know, there are a lot of different factors that you could point to for that. But, um, I always thought that Rowdy was the, the perfect nemesis for, um, for Hulk Hogan and in, in many respects for the younger listeners who, who are fans of, of sports entertainment, I would compare their relationship to that of a uh, John Cena and CM Punk and that Hulk Hogan was the all American Superman and, uh, Rowdy Piper was, was the anti-hero and, um, and I always thought he was just the perfect enemy for Hogan. And um, you know, beyond that, I mean, he's one of the greatest intercontinental champions of all time. Um, he's a pop culture icon, and uh, and he's a legend. And um, it's just, uh, it's it's really, really sad to um, have to report this guy's in the first pod. But um, you know, wherever you are now, Rowdy, I hope the uh, the bagpipes play into heaven the way they did into the arena every night.